Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. Stuckabout swinging splitter. Here's the standing ovation for the Rocket, Roger Clemens. One, two, three, go the Pirates. Jeter just came over to pound him on the back. The standing O continues. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Okay, here we go inside the 8 o'clock hour on The Fan. Joining us right now is Mike Florio, author of the new book, On Our Way Home. It's a holiday book that comes out November 1st. All proceeds go to a local no-kill animal shelter. The ebook is $3.99, paperback $9.99. Check it out on his Twitter, on his page, profootballtalk.com. Mike, thanks for joining us tonight. How are you? Hey, my pleasure. How are you, pal? Good, good. Happy to be here. Happy to have an open show. And, uh, you know, the NFL is king. So to have somebody like you tap in and uh, break up the consistent Aaron Rodgers 24-hour marathon and uh, Jets talk, you know, we can talk about the league a little bit. I I think that the league is in good shape because I like when there's parity and I like the fact that the uh, Dolphins 1972 team was able to pop champagne this weekend. There are no more undefeated teams. What do you say to that? Well, I think it's good to have teams clustered together. The problem is there are a lot of bad teams this year, teams that are underachieving and teams that are essentially done. You get five losses through six weeks. Now, with 17 games, it's hard to know when you're in red alert status. We have to run the table. But you're getting pretty damn close to it with five losses. And several teams are at five, teams that we thought would be better than they were at five. We're not that far removed from everybody being zero and zero and fans being ridiculously optimistic about their teams, and they'd get pissed when you'd point out, somebody's not going to be good this year. That's just the way it works. So good teams, bad teams, a lot of teams in the middle, and we're only a third of the way into the regular season. The one thing that concerns me, a lot of injuries. We had five starting quarterbacks get injured on Sunday. Other guys got banged up. We saw it with Josh Allen. He came down hard on his shoulder last night. They were working on Dak Prescott's upper back. And we're just a third of the way into the season. These players need to stay healthy. We don't want to watch backup quarterbacks. It was just a year ago that Troy Vincent, the NFL's executive VP of football operations, was on ESPN defending the league's hypersensitivity to roughing the passer by linking it to the high ratings that come from having the best quarterbacks available. We start seeing backup quarterbacks versus backup quarterbacks in primetime games. There go the ratings and there goes the interest. Yep, and there goes your parlays and your fantasy teams, and nobody is happy. That uh, 
That brings up my next point and a good point. You know, as I watch these games, I'm like, this is so bogus. The officiating is so bogus. There's flags on every single play. And I was talking about last night how I think, you know, some of the penalties are connected to, like, roughing the passer. Don't hurt the quarterbacks. Because if you hurt the starting quarterbacks, we got to watch backup quarterbacks play. And then also all the points in fantasy and legal gambling. You need touchdowns. You need points. They need to throw the ball. So pass interference and um, those plays get called all the time. Mike, I feel like I'm watching the game and sometimes these refs are throwing the flags and then they're coming together to talk about it. And it's like they don't even know what they're throwing the flag for. Well, and that's one of the realities of having a bunch of middle-aged men and women out there with no padding, no helmets, no protection, trying to judge what's happening in the flash that crosses their field of vision while trying to prevent themselves from being trampled. Who really knows what you see? We see holding on almost every play. And, look, I think the sensitivity to roughing the passer, and that's the one rule in the rule book where it specifically says, when in doubt, throw the flag. Anytime there's a questionable roughing call and they bring in the rules analyst, and I don't even care if it's NBC, the network I work for, I encourage every rules analyst to point that out when analyzing a roughing the passer call. Mm -hmm. The rule says, when in doubt, throw the flag. So if there's any doubt, they're supposed to throw the flag. That's what they're told to do. And then when we see the officials look the other way on holding, and also we've kind of gotten away from it, but that false start where you'd see a left tackle or a right tackle begin into his pass block set a half second early, and it wasn't called. Juwan Taylor really went over the top of that back in week one. Chiefs-Lions. This is all about making it easier for the quarterback to have time. We're not going to call holding. We're not going to call the head start by the tackles because the defensive linemen are so good, and the offensive lines take time to gel, and they're just overwhelmed at times. We saw it with that Giants-Seahawks game a couple of weeks ago, how that Giants offensive line was overwhelmed. They're trying to help the quarterback find the time to throw the ball. As you said, yards, points, offense, excitement, I do think at some level the officials are either consciously or subconsciously trying to help that happen. Now, I have a question for you about London. The London games we just watched the last few mornings, and um, there was a lot of talk about the turf out there in London. And as we're talking about injuries, you know, I, I saw that the turf was thin and the players were complaining about it. And I feel like more and more we're hearing conversations uh, even here in the States about, all oh, the NFL makes billions. There should be grass. All the players want to play on grass. Can you explain to the audience why, you know, some places like uh, Allegiant Stadium, um, the Raiders, yeah, they have grass, but other places have opted into turf. And if we think that the league is going to shift to more grass fields in the future. This all comes down to money. And when you look at the stadiums that are designed for multi-uses, Taylor Swift concerts, Ed Sheeran concerts, other sporting events, it's cheaper to have a turf field that can be rolled up, that can be rolled out, that can be moved out of the way, that can be replaced as needed. The best thing to do is to have at these new stadiums the tray of grass field that you slide in and slide out like they have at Allegiant and like they have at State Farm Stadium in Arizona. And we've heard more and more players push for grass over turf. The NFL Players Association has urged repeatedly the league to put in high-quality grass fields throughout every NFL facility, and every time I ask a player about it, they want grass over turf. Turf is hard. It's unforgiving. Real Sports with Brian Gumbel on HBO had a great segment with Andrea Kramer 
as the correspondent several months ago about all the injuries happening to high school players because people think, hey, if this fake stuff is good enough for the NFL, it's good enough for your local high school. So you hit your helmet against it, you're more likely to get a concussion. You get your legs stuck in the turf, and the forces apply around your knee, and your ACL is more likely to pop. The Aaron Rodgers injury, does that happen on grass? Who knows? The players want grass. The owners, some of them, opt to go more cheaply because they want to have the flexibility to make maximum dollars at their stadium. And the smoking gun that the NFL can't word salad its way around is the fact that multiple NFL venues like SoFi Stadium and AT&T Stadium, where the Rams and Cowboys play respectively, they're going to put a grass turf hybrid surface in to host World Cup matches yes. in yep. the next few years because FIFA demands it. And if they demand it, we'll do it. But if we can avoid doing it, we're not going to do it because it's cheaper to avoid putting in a more expensive field. It all comes down to money, and the owners just don't want to pay the money necessary to protect their investments in the players. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's 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 cash, it's business. Uh, I I think that MetLife Stadium here in uh, in our area in East Rutherford is one of the top um, host stadiums for the World Cup. I guess they're going to be putting grass in there. If, yeah, if FIFA demands it. So from from player safety to fan safety, I feel like obviously everyone has a HD camera in their phone now, but more than ever, I'm seeing clips from every single stadium just brawls breaking out, fans fighting. And not just like one on one, there's multiple fans swinging, punching, falling down, no security to be found. And unfortunately, this year, uh, a, a father lost his life up there in Gillette Stadium um, in the Patriots Dolphins game. I feel like something has to happen, something has to be done uh, to stop this. It's just a bad look for the NFL. Uh, what do you think the NFL can do about it? I, I've been to a bunch of games. Uh, I'm not. I've not seen this many fights go on in NFL games or baseball games, or whatever. I feel like it's it's this year. There's something weird about this year. Uh, there's brawls breaking out every week. There's viral videos from every different stadium every week. Before I got into this business, I practiced law, and I overlapped with running PFT and practicing law for about eight years. So I had 19 years overall in law practice. And there's three types of people under the law that can be on property you own. A trespasser to whom you owe a very minimal duty of care, a licensee, somebody you let walk across your land or whatever. You kind of owe them something, but not a real high standard. And then there's the invitee, the person who comes onto your property for your benefit, the customer at your store, the fan at your stadium. You owe the highest duty of care possible to this person that you're making money from by having them in your building. And whatever these teams are doing to protect fans from other fans, it's not enough. Whether they shouldn't be selling beer. Why do we have to sell beer at these games, right? They're going to drink out in the parking lot beforehand anyway. Why are we making them even more drunk? And we've all been to games where it's like, why if you're going to get drunk like this. Why are you spending all this money to come to the game? Just stay home and watch it on TV and get <laughs> drunk there. Like, what's the point? Where's your enjoyment come from? Coming to this game and being so drunk off being your ass. blacked out. You're not even going to remember it. Right. What's the point? So whatever they're doing isn't enough because these events shouldn't be happening. And one of the trends to watch long term, and I've, I've talked to people who are involved with teams that have the 70,000-seat stadiums. There's an argument to be made that in the future, just get rid of the upper deck. The profit margin from the upper deck isn't yeah. worth it. The expenses of having the upper deck isn't worth it. The liability concerns in the upper deck isn't worth it. 
let's just peel off 30,000 seats. Let's get the money from the, the high rollers that fill up a 40,000-seat stadium. It's still going to look good on TV. It's still full. It's still exciting. We don't need to have that upper deck full of fans. And that, if, that, if that's what it takes to better secure the property, if you just need 30,000 fewer people in the building to prevent these fights, that's something they need to do. And it's a shame that it happens. And I know the individuals involved are responsible, but this is all what the law calls foreseeable risk. The owners and operators of the stadium need to anticipate and act on these risks because we all know they happen. Yeah, and there's less security up there. From my experience going to games, the lower bowl, the 100 level, there's security at every turn. As soon as you're walking in, hey, can you show us your phone? So you're like, they got eyes on you. Up there, there's less security working, so brawls break out, and you definitely see a lot of these videos how high up these fans are. It's uh, it's kind of scary. It's, it's, it's not safe at all, and NFL certainly has to do something about it. So from um, that to this, we're two weeks from the trade deadline. And uh, some teams are going to be buyers. Some are going to be sellers. I mean, here, the Jets, they should be moving McCole Hardman, uh, Carl Lawson, maybe even Dalvin Cook, the Giants. I mean, if they lose another game, they might even be thinking about moving Saquon Barkley, Xavier McKinney, Leonard Williams, Adoree Jackson. Um, do you have any inkling on who's going to be buyers, who's going to be sellers in the NFL, or is there a player out there that we should be watching? Here's the thing to remember. There's still two games left to be played by most teams, except the teams that are on buys. That can change everything. If you're one and five right now and you win the next two and you're three and five, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. Maybe we shouldn't trade this person or that person, right? And if you're a team right now that feels like a contender and you lose the next two, eh, you know what, maybe we don't want to give up future assets in an effort to try to go get a better player right now. So these next two weeks are critical, and injuries are the key. There's been so much talk about Kirk Cousins possibly being traded by the Vikings. That's not happening unless a starting quarterback for a short-list contender team suffers a season-ending injury between now and October 31. And even then, it's too much to expect. So you know what happens. We get our eyes on a few different players, and we start wondering, is this guy going to get moved? And then it's somebody we weren't expecting out of the blue that ends up being traded from one team to another. But the thing to remember, the hay's not in the barn until we get through week eight. And I think week eight is still too early. I've always thought it was too early, but now with 18 weeks in the regular season and 17 games, they should move it back farther. And frankly, I'm a free enterprise guy. I say why have an arbitrary limit on when you can do a fire sale. If some team out there wants to give up draft compensation to go get a guy at Christmas time, in the hopes they can get him ready for the postseason, let them do it. Just let them do it. Why Why is there a trade deadline if there's business to be done between these teams? Hey, once again, we're joined by Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. Mike, now i got to ask you one question about the Jets, one question about the Giants before we let you go. We'll start with the Jets. So, you know, I've been talking about Aaron Rodgers, of course, who isn't. I mean, the guy is the center of attention, and he makes it that way, even when he's not playing. But... I feel like he's blocking the shine of some of the players on the Jets that have kept them afloat, got them the three and three. Um, he's not trying to block their shine, but he is because he's a magnet for attention. But I look at this as, okay, this Jets defense has been playing ridiculous football. They deserve the credit. We should be speaking on the players on that side of the ball. I mean, the Jets haven't allowed a second half. Uh, they, they allowed one TD in the second half the entire season. That's ridiculous. And, uh, 
Zach Wilson, I think, is going to be the quarterback to end the drought. And after that kid was left for dead last year, they did everything to get Aaron Rodgers. Like, how crazy would it be to see Zach Wilson lead these Jets to the playoffs and he be the one to end the drought this year? And then what do you do when Aaron (laughs) Rodgers says, I'm ready to play, I'm clear, I'm ready to go? Do you put Zach Wilson back on the bench and go with Aaron Rodgers, who hasn't played but four snaps since the end of last season? Look, when the schedule came out in May, and we saw the gauntlet that the Jets had to run the first six weeks of the season before going into their bye. I thought two and four was realistic, and three and three was optimistic. With they Rogers. got to three and three <laughs> without Aaron Rodgers. They beat the Bills and the Eagles without Aaron Rodgers. This is a great story, and I love a great story. People say, what do you root for? I root for a great story. And this is almost Shakespearean. When you throw on top of it, Aaron Rodgers constantly suggesting – he may be back. Now, he tried to tap the brakes today on McAfee's show, but he's already put the turd in the punch bowl on this possibility of coming <laughs> back. And now he's trying to scoop it out. So that's out there. Robert Saul is talking about how he's trying to silence the doubters by coming back from this. And when's he going to come back from it? And I hear from doctors who say he really didn't have a full Achilles tear. There's no way he'd be out there without crutches or a boot five weeks later if it was a full Achilles tear. So there's all sorts of mythology and weirdness around this. But through it all, The Jets are winning games. They turned the corner on that Sunday night against the Chiefs. And to their credit, they turned that into a positive. They won two in a row. They're three and three. The glass is half full. And if Rodgers is going to play again this year, when do you make the switch? And at what point have the Jets done so much with Zach Wilson that if you're the Jets, you say, well, you know what? Maybe we want Zach next year, too. Maybe we don't want. Now, look, that's, <laughs> that's a long way off. But it's amazing how quickly narratives change. They're ready, to, they're ready to run this guy out of town just a few weeks ago. Right. And now, and now he's the savior. And uh, I, it's just an awkward spot when Rodgers is ready to come back to tell Zach Wilson to go take a seat if they keep winning and if they stay in contention. And if he keeps progressing, and what I said before you came on, I'm like, what if this kid keeps getting better incrementally to the point where they do get in the playoffs? And then he has, I don't know, a Daniel Jones moment. Wins them a playoff game. Then you're in a completely different situation than you even imagined. I don't know. That's It's too far down the line. So speaking of Daniel Jones, with Daniel Jones' neck injury, an injury that he had a couple years ago, it's re-aggravated they're talking about now he's feeling it in his arm and I, I just I think they can't mess with that they can't play with that here is Tyrod Taylor and seeing Tyrod Taylor on Sunday Night Football against his former team I'm like Tyrod is not bad like he's a veteran he's, he's serviceable he can make the reads make the throws and then you see Brian Dable who is a fiery coach and he does all this hooting and hollering yelling and screaming and ripping guys this is the coach of the year like how did the Giants get here from winning a playoff game last year, having the coach of the year, giving Daniel Jones $40 million a year, right? Obviously, you, you lose him, but he was struggling. I don't know if, you know, he was struggling behind that offensive line. For the Giants fans, I think a lot of them are scratching their heads saying, like, how do we only beat the Cardinals? How do we only, like, they don't have a first-half touchdown, as I just talked about the Jets only giving up one second-half touchdown. I think a lot of Giants fans are wondering, like, what happened? How did we end up here just this fast? You know, it's funny, the morning after the loss to the Seahawks, which was one of the most dominant defensive performances I can remember, 
Ed Donatel's name was trending. It's like, why is Ed Donatel's name trending? Well, everyone was saying, thanks, former Vikings defensive coordinator, for your crappy performance against the Giants in the playoffs that forced the Giants to pay this guy $40 million a year. <laughs> but it's hard to say it's Daniel Jones' fault when you just have no time. And there was that clip that made the rounds of a four-man rush from the Seahawks absolutely swarming the five-man protection, and Jones had no chance. And it's almost like last year didn't even happen. That's how bad this year has been for the Giants. It was great Sunday night to see them play it close. They almost stole that game from the Bills, and we feel very differently about it. You know, I was saying this earlier. Once you get the five losses, when are you in that position where we pretty much got to run the table? I mean, can they lose two more the rest of the way in the final 11? You got to go nine and two to end up 10 and seven, or you got to go eight and three to finish nine and eight. Will nine and eight even get you in? We're still so fresh into 17 games. We don't know where that, that uh oh spot is, but it really does feel like the Giants are done at one and five. And the question becomes, what can they do over the balance of the season? Try to build something, identify the players who are going to be part of the solution next year and make the changes they need to make for 2024. Yeah, I think it's year two of a rebuild. Why not at the trade deadline, sell some guys off. And if you lose a bunch more games, you're in the top five picks uh, picks in the draft. I don't know. I don't think it's that bad. I mean, I, I understand it's that bad because you, you thought you were going to take a step forward, but they surprised a lot of people last year. Mike, thank you for joining us tonight. I appreciate you taking out the time. Hey, anytime, guy. I appreciate it. Take care. Make sure you guys check out Mike's book. It's called On Our Way Home. It comes out November 11th. All proceeds go to a local no-kill animal shelter. The ebook is $3.99. The paperback's $9.99. That's Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.